You're listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast, episode number 24. You play ball like a girl! I'm Nikki B with Play Like a Girl, made just for female athletes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Play Like a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Nikki B. Here at Play Like a Girl, we aim to encourage more confidence in young women who play sports and give them the necessary tools and advice to have an amazing career in sports and beyond. If you are a young woman who plays sports and lives an active lifestyle, or you know one of these young women, I am so excited you are here. Each week, we will either bring you a guest in the sports world or have a roundtable discussion of the many taboo and important topics in the world of female sports. Are you with me? Let's change the game. All right, Plague listeners, today's guest is basically a badass. I know all of our guests are, but Robin Bone really defines what it means to play like a girl by competing with the boys, not giving up, and proving people wrong. She also basically defies gravity, which I find so freaking cool. She is a pole vaulter who's been told no, torn down, and made fun of, but she never let any of that stop her. Please give a warm plaque welcome to Robin. Well, hi, Robin. Thank you so much for joining us on the Play Like a Girl podcast today. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, We spoke to two of your really great friends on the podcast before, Arian and Megan, and they told us about you, and we were like, yes, we have to interview this girl. Um, (laughs) And after doing some more like research on you, I got even more excited to talk uh, to you because I think your story is very interesting and powerful, so I just can't wait for you to share everything about what you've gone through. So um, one thing that we do with our guests is a little rapid fire questions to get to know them a little better. So are you ready? Cool. Yes. Okay. So where do you currently live? Scottsdale, Arizona. Love it. Um, yeah, Michelle and I, we were just talking. We need to, we need to make a girls trip out there because all there's so many amazing athletes, like such a great group yes. of girls out there. <laughs> yes, there's a great, there's a great group of girls here. You guys definitely need to come out. Yeah. Some like awesome athletes too. It's so cool. Okay. And uh, where did you grow up? I was born in Toronto, and then I spent kindergarten through 10th grade in Darien, Connecticut, and then my family moved back to Canada. Oh, cool. Canadian girl. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so a little what... bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, what sports did you play growing up? Gosh, I really played pretty much everything under the rainbow. Um, I most like most was a competitive gymnast, so I did that pretty much from when I can remember all the way through uh, the beginning of high school. Um, before I had to stop. Mm-hmm. And I also played softball, soccer, I played football, I played pretty much, I played basketball, uh, I played pretty much everything. I played lacrosse in high school. Um, yeah, I played a lot. And then I said everything. Track. Oh my gosh, such a well rounded athlete. I don't even know how you kept up with all of those, but we'll, we will dive into <laughs> that later. Okay, next question. What is your favorite quote? Oh my gosh, my favorite quote, I have so many. Um, I think one of them, my, my dad always says this, I think about this pretty much every competition is be the thermostat, not the thermometer. And mm. it just means set the tone and you don't need to always be concerned with your surroundings. Uh, just focus on what you're doing and set the tone. Oh my gosh, that is good. I love that one. Okay. <laughs> um, what is one of your superpowers? My superpowers? Oh gosh. Um, 
brief moments in the air, I do get to fly mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a pole vaulter. But I also have, I also am a good baker. A lot of people wouldn't know that, but Ooh. I do bake. And not the fat-free, healthy kind, like the bad stuff. <laughs> the bad, the good stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's too funny. I was going to say, I feel like one of your superpowers is just, you know, being able to be at like, you know, defy gravity basically, but also a baker. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't know that. So you got to, you got to bake us some cookies, send them our way. Well, we will to, gladly yeah. take them. <laughs> okay. And final question, who is your favorite athlete? My brother. Uh, hands oh. down, he he played college football. He was a quarterback, but he just had such an inspirational story, and he really always showed me the way. He was resilient, he was determined. He really was underestimated at times, and when it mattered, he showed up. And mm-hmm. I really hope to be like him. Oh well, I think you are so much like him, just based on what I have read up about you. And it sounds to me like you guys got some great parents that just instilled those qualities in you guys. <laughs> We're so, lucky. oh, We're that lucky. is absolutely amazing. Okay, so um, when I was reading about you, uh, I pretty much got to the conclusion that you were like basically like a monkey as a kid, just always hanging upside down, always just being rambunctious and never sitting still. And you did gymnastics, like you said, that was your main sport, and then of course mm-hmm. almost every other sport under the sun. And what I found was interesting you played football with the boys when you were younger and even got MVP on on that team when you're when you're younger Um, but what I want to know is how did you juggle all of those sports and then also make gymnastics your first priority (laughs) well I had really great coaches in all of the other sports so they were really understanding when I had to miss practices they knew that I wasn't necessarily missing a practice and sitting on the couch or doing something different they knew that I was most likely training harder than what they were doing at practice. And, uh, you know, I showed up to, I did gymnastics from 2 to 7 p.m. And I'd always hoped that I'd have the practice at 7 p.m. or after. So sometimes I would go straight from gymnastics to lacrosse or football. And I would just wear my leotard under whatever clothes I put on over to play the next sport. <laughs> so it was a lot. And thank gosh, I had my parents, they just were drivers. They'd drive us from one place <laughs> to another place. And I don't know how they kept up with both my brother and my schedule. It was pretty crazy at times. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. They were your Uber drivers, like before Uber yeah, was even a thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. And share. I, I want to know, because you shared a story with us a little bit before we um, started recording about you playing football with the boys. So can you share that story with our listeners? Yeah, so my dad has always been a football coach mm-hmm. and my brother played football. So when I was younger, I'd always have to go to the practices and wait around and I never thought that it was a thing where girls played this and boys played that. I just played and I always used to play with the boys who were older than me because my brother's two grades ahead. So we'd play games like Kill the Carrier and I just was never afraid. So in my fifth grade, I went out for football. And actually it's funny because I was telling you girls this earlier, my dad, we showed up and I was ready. I wanted to make a huge statement (laughs) and I showed up and the woman who was doing the registering, she, said stop my dad right in his track she said uh you're we don't girls don't play football like (laughs) she can't play this is the boys team and my dad just didn't have any kind of thought to it he said okay rob just you know what just go warm up and uh and i just kind of walked away but i just wanted to hear what he said uh to her because i couldn't believe that she even said that Mm -hmm. um so he just kind of said to her listen you will never tell my daughter if she'll play football or not i've already cleared it i got permission you know, she can play better than all these other guys Mm -hmm. out here. And so I was actually so lucky. I did the tryouts and um, I got, I was first pick overall, uh, which was kind of funny because 
in when I first started at recess, I always played football. Um, I never wanted to go on the swings or anything. I just wanted to play football. And mm-hmm. when I was in first grade, we had recess with all the grades. And I remember my brother was older and I was the last one picked. And my neighbor actually picked me because he, he knew from backyard sports, he knew that I, I could play. And I remember just, I had one chance. I just knew if I ever got the chance to get the ball, I had to do something. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I, I used to get picked kind of close to the top, which was always fun. <laughs> I love that. Talk about playing like a girl. That is just like epitome of playing like a girl. That is so, so cool. Yeah, it was actually kind of funny. Um, at one of our football games, I learned how to block uh, mm-hmm. from a young age. Um, so I played both ways, but I do remember this one time, um, I blocked a kid pretty hard and it was a pretty textbook block. (laughs) And I remember he fell kind of on his back and the father of the kid who I blocked was going snaky on the, on the sidelines. And my dad, I didn't even realize it. Uh, I just kind of blocked him and went straight to where the ball was. But my dad, I know that he was really proud in that time and he, we kind of laugh about it now thinking like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, and, and I just remember thinking like, yeah, you just got hit by a girl. <laughs> oh, I so. love that. That is so cool. Well, and share with me too, because you've kind of talked a lot about um, your dad and I really want to know, like, what are some of the qualities or things that he told you growing up? Because it sounds like he was a pretty good role model for you and mm-hmm. he pretty much told you, you can do anything that the boys can do and if, you know, if not better, so what are like some of the things that you remember him telling you growing up and, and even to this day? Yeah, just so many things I think that I learned vicariously through him. It just I was included in everything. Uh, he always my my mom worked. She was working for Microsoft at the time in New York City. She is a total bad or I don't want to say that on here. She's you a total badass. <laughs> she, uh, she's awesome. I, my, I always say my dad my dad was a quarterback. My brother was a quarterback, but my mom's the quarterback of our family. She kind of keeps oh, everyone doing our stuff. But just growing up, my dad always included my brother and I playing football outside and baseball and basketball and everything. And I always was really immersed in it. But I never felt as though I couldn't keep up because I was a girl or anything mm-hmm. like that. My, my dad uh, was the first Canadian um, quarterback drafted to the NFL. Oh, wow. I believe that's the correct stat. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of just always wanted to be like him in that sense. And and so my brother and I always looked up to him and he just had so many great sayings when he was coaching the football team. And I always got to I was kind of his little assistant coach. I always <laughs> stood next to him on the sidelines and stuff. So I was just really lucky that I had a father who included me in all of that because I don't really know anything other than that. Yeah, I love that. What a great story. And I think that's just awesome advice for parents out there too. You know, you have to just be the biggest advocate for your kid no matter what and just always push them and encourage them to strive for more. So I absolutely love that. Um, well, let's talk a little about a little bit about you getting into gymnastics. So I, I know that that was kind of your main sport, um, but at 15 or at 15 years old, right, you got some mm-hmm. devastating news of your fifth concussion and that you can no longer mm-hmm. compete in gymnastics. So I mean, 15 is a pretty young age. How did you mm-hmm. handle that? And and what was the process of like, what's next? Uh, what was that like mm-hmm. for you? <laughs> so gymnastics was pretty much, uh, I really viewed it as my life. I thought mm-hmm. it was who I was. I thought, I mean, I did it every single day from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. and five hours every single day. 
uh, it really taught me so many great skills, uh, time management, discipline. Um, I remember when I was pretty young, I was having to do a skill on balance beam and I was a little bit scared to do it. And for whatever reason, I started to cry. And mm -hmm. my gymnastics coach, she pulled me down off the beam and she is one of my, she's like a second mother to me. Mm -hmm. my, my two gymnastics coaches, they're like second parents to me. And she pulled me off beam and I remember she sat me in front of the mirror and said, sit here and look at yourself. And I still think about it all the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm having a weird day at track, I'll go to the bathroom and look in the mirror and talk to myself. But it was one of those things where gymnastics was my life. And in the gym, it was like my second home. and I felt like I could conquer anything. And so when I had my fifth concussion, it was really scary at the time because everything just happened so fast. It was on, on a skill that wasn't necessarily a hard skill. I had been doing it since I was probably six years old. And I just hit my head. And um, everything after that was pretty from being like standing up and closing my eyes and just falling over mm -hmm. for someone who has incredible balance. That was quite terrifying wow. for me. And then just the healing process of it all when, you know, you, you don't know your phone number or mm. you can't remember if you've said something out loud or you'll read a page and you have no idea what it just said or what wow. it meant. And so it was tough because, you know, in ninth grade, you think that it's going to be this huge, year and mm -hmm. so much fun and all this and I spent the majority of it uh, probably three or four months in my bedroom and dark um, trying to just let my brain heal because you can't mm -hmm. have any stimulation I had an incredible concussion doctor and he really helped my family and I through that process uh, he was phenomenal he's back in Connecticut and it wasn't necessarily until I went and kept doing the same tests we did them over and over and over and at certain points it kind of halted I, it stopped improving and I just remember my last test that I did, I thought for sure that this was going to be the one where I was going to get cleared to go back mm -hmm. to gymnastics and everything because I was back in school at that point. I was able to see friends and I just didn't fully feel like myself until I was in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. And so I took the test and I thought it was great and my parents got called into the room and I thought they were coming in because he was going to say, we're good now, she can go back. And he came in and I remember sitting in this chair uh, and my parents were kind of standing next to me and he sat down in the chair and, and he just kind of got right to the chase and mm. he just said, Robin, it's, it's not safe for you to do gymnastics. Wow. And I remember thinking immediately just being so irritated thinking I've waited six months, mm. you know, like how much longer do I have? I'm doing everything. Come on, like everything's okay. Um, you know, I, I have a little bit of post concussion syndrome just with certain things. Uh, but you know, so I said, well, when can I return to gymnastics? Mm -hmm. And my parents were kind of nervous because I know that they knew that how, I don't want to say necessarily that I was depressed, but how dark of a time that I was going through without it. And uh, he just repeated the same thing. He just said, Robin, it's not safe for you to return to gymnastics. Mm. And that's when it totally just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I, I still get emotional thinking about it just mm -hmm. because I was so young at the time. And I totally identified as being that gymnast and right. you know, I'd won state championships and, and I was always the one doing tricks and flips and I really felt like that was who I was meant to be. And when that happened, I just totally shut down. I just, I don't mm. really remember much after that except for driving on the way home. And you know, I, my mom and I were in the car and I think my dad took a separate car there. And so we were meeting back at home and my mom just said, look, you know, we'll take you. You can go talk to Lori and we'll talk to Frank. And those are my two gymnastics mm -hmm. coaches. 
And I remember I showed up at the gym and I just, you know, burst into tears because oh. I didn't know what, how to even explain it. And I, God, God bless my coaches. They just <laughs> listened while I like, <gasps> you know, when you're crying so hard, you can't even get it out. And so they listened and they just told me, you can still be part of it. You can help coach. You can come in whenever you want. You know, we're always going to be behind you. And, and, you know, I, I played other sports. I played, um, I made varsity lacrosse as a freshman, so I was looking forward to that in the spring. Um, we actually won states uh, my freshman year lacrosse, which was pretty special, but I didn't care at that mm -hmm. time. I didn't care about anything but gymnastics, and so I was quite down for a long time and a lot of tears, and um, you know, I'm so thankful that for my family and my friends, they just constantly helped me get through it, and I just remember my parents were getting dressed up to go somewhere and I remember laying in their room on the bed watching TV just feeling totally sorry for myself <laughs> and I think they just had had enough I think we had maybe this was about a month after and I can't remember which one said it but they both were like listen you gotta stop it's it's enough you know mm. you can't do it anymore but gymnastics is not who you are it's just what you did Right. And they both assured me I was a sister, I was a friend, I did all these other sports, I was creative, I had, you know, business abilities, I had all these other mm -hmm. things going for me, but gymnastics wasn't who I was, it's just mm -hmm. what I did. And I think when they told me that, I always go back to that now that I'm a pro track and field athlete, mm -hmm. I just make sure that I always see see outside the world of track and field. I, I just have a broader understanding of all the things that... Um, are out there and right. so after that um my friends were they my friends were great they encouraged me to go out for the track and field team and i knew i was fast so i figured i would just do the 100 meters or the hurdles and so i i did um start with the 100 meter hurdles and the long jump and i actually even did the triple jump for a bit but it wasn't until the track coach said you were that gymnast and obviously i was so mm. proud of that Aww. and i said yeah i am and he he said, well, you're going to be our a pole vaulter. And I had never even heard of pole vault. But <laughs> I said, okay, I, you know, I had vault in the word and mm -hmm. it sounded like fun. So I, I started. Um, and it was kind of funny because I knew that there was a competition in two weeks. And I wasn't going to tell my parents because I just was worried that after having all the things that I loved kind of taken from me, I was scared just the fit not not my family or anything like that just things that I enjoyed doing that mm -hmm. I love to do taken from me I was worried that they were going to say no right away mm. or my concussion doctor was going to say no right away and sure enough I you know practiced it for you know a couple a couple days and I really only jumped four feet high I mean it really wasn't very dangerous <laughs> um how high I was jumping <laughs> so when I asked my parents I said look we'll, we'll ask Dr. Lee so we went to Dr. Lee and he wasn't, he was just kind of like, come on kid. You know, I just told you <laughs> stop flipping through the air and now you are trying to use something to propel yourself up there. Right. Like, come on, sit even down. further, even higher. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, thankfully he kind of turned to my parents and kind of just said, what do you think? And I think at that point they saw that I had some light in me mm. and was excited about something. And I hadn't been like that in a long time. And so they said, we're okay with it if you're okay with it. And he said, yes, but she has to wear a helmet. Mm. And I said, all right, 
get me the helmets and yep. let's go. So, yeah, like, I don't even care at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't care. I, you know, it was a little bit different in the beginning, but I mean, I was only going this high, um, but you progress, obviously. So Right. Well, and I want to talk about that helmet story in a second, but there's some really, um, just some good nuggets in that whole story that you just told us as far as, you know, just the resilience that you had. And, and also, I mean, from having a, a concussion and an injury like that, I think it's the one thing for athletes that it, it makes it hard is it's not a physical injury that you can see or that hurts or anything like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure at times like it, your head does hurt um, in mm-hmm. a way, but it's more of a, it's a mental thing. And like you said, it takes, you know, months and months to finally regain like your memory back and just like little day-to-day things that we, you know, so often take for granted. And so I think that it's just, you know, your story is just so cool because you, you fought through and you took the time for your body to rest, for your brain to heal as hard as it was. I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. sitting alone in your room and, and, you know, none of that brain stimulation, it must be hard, especially for an athlete. So I just think that's, that's so cool that you did that. Um, and then also your parents, I love the story of them kind of just telling you like, look, like enough is enough. You know, you've, mm-hmm. you've cried about it. It's okay to mourn it. It's okay to be sad, but like, let's figure out something next. And the whole thing, um, I think a lot of athletes face is the, like the identity crisis, right? Once they're done mm-hmm. playing their sport, it's like, well, what's next? Because you're, right. you identify yourself as a gymnast or a golfer or as a, you know, track and field person or as a pole vaulter or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now who am I? So I love that you still to this day know, like, yes, I'm a pole vaulter. Yes, I'm a track and field athlete. But at the end of the day, that's not that's not all that you are. You know, you have yes. all these other things that you're great at. So I think yeah. I got to meet your parents. I feel like your parents are you just should. some awesome you, you people. <laughs> yeah, you I just love them. They're amazing. I, I love those qualities that they've instilled in you. I think it's just really cool. And you can tell that you come from a great family. So that's absolutely amazing. But um, let's talk about the helmet story because I want to yes. know more about that. I read about it and I the, the story I read was so interesting um, and it has, you know, a little bit of a negative um it's it's a negative story where you're kind of bullied a little bit for wearing the helmet. So can you share share that story with us? Yeah. So um, so I was the only person to wear a helmet, um, mm-hmm. and I pretty much still am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was kind of interesting because at the beginning, in pole vault, everybody always sees it and says, "Oh my gosh, I could never do that. That looks so scary. I'd be so scared." But what they don't realize necessarily is at the beginning, you don't just automatically fly 15 mm-hmm. feet in the air you really start low. And I think my first competition, I jumped five feet and six inches. So really low, people (laughs) high jump over that, okay? And (laughs) so I tried it for four weeks in my freshman, or I think it was about five weeks in my freshman year. And then in my sophomore year was when I really felt like I started it. But so there was a competition where the seniors on our team were writing their SATs. And so my track coach, he said, look, you need to go to this invitational in New Haven and it's a senior meet but the seniors aren't can't go so you're gonna go and I remember thinking awesome you know I I definitely don't deserve to go but I'll go and it was so much fun but I do remember I came in last I think I jumped seven feet I think last or you know tied for last and it was pretty tough because I went from going from gymnastics where mm-hmm. it was state championships and I just mm-hmm. knew the knew how to get better and knew how to be at the top and and even in football and lacrosse I always felt like they 
I don't want to say they came easily to me, but I felt like I knew the path to work on to get to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And track was just a whole different thing that I wasn't sure of. You know, nobody in my family was really involved with track before. I got my speed, I think, from my dad. My mom, my mom's a marathon lady, so I did not get any of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but so when I went out, um, it was interesting because you know, by that time, I think I had pole vaulted for about a month and I was still having quite a bit of trouble with it. And it was just really different. It was just really mm-hmm. hard to go from being at the top to like really at the bottom. And I remember after this meet was over, some of the state's top vaulters were in line at the concession stand and I was just getting something because I was doing hurdles as well. And I was standing in line with just my ponytail. <laughs> and I remember thinking, you know, I really want to talk to them. Maybe I'll get to know them, find out a little bit more about their course and pole vault. I, I did look up to them at that time. And I remember them laughing and I thought, okay, this is like a good time to kind of interject, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I heard them and they're like, oh my God, I would pay to watch that. She looks so stupid. Her helmet <sighs> looks so dumb. Like I would pay to watch her vault. And I remember thinking in line, it's so clear to me still just thinking, okay, you think, you know, helmet girl, I'll show you Robin Bohm. Mm. And that was the first time when I totally felt like I'm doing this and I'm going to get that. good at this. I <laughs> and love that. I think I went straight home from that competition and just, it was kind of right when YouTube was starting to become a thing. And so I watched uh, Yelena Sambayeva, the Russian pole vaulter. She's just the queen of pole vault. I watched her <laughs> stuff over and over and my parents bought me books, all the pole vault books probably available. And I just went haywire into learning mm. pole vault. And from then on, um, I think it would have been in 2010, I PR'd by a foot. The next week I PR'd by another foot. You know, a week later I PR'd by six, uh, six inches. And so I was starting to get wow. up there. And it was interesting because now it wasn't kind of like oh helmet girl it was like who's that helmet girl and Mm. (laughs) it was fun because it was something that was new and exciting and I really felt like I did it you know and right and so we had uh state championships coming up and I really wanted to win and let those girls know that helmet girl is actually Robin Bone (laughs) Mm, I love that and so um I you know I I put some rhinestones on the back of my helmet that said bone. So I wanted to give it a little bit of a girly touch. And mm-hmm. and I remember the state championship meet. I did end up winning, um, wow. which was just such a crazy thing at the time because I went from jumping so low to jumping pretty high very quickly. And then I went on to break the state record that mm-hmm. year. And that was just so exciting because I don't want to say that I'm, uh, you know, I'm very resentful towards this person, um, but the, the girls who were saying that, but I will say that it felt pretty good uh, to mm-hmm. kind of just see the look on their faces when I broke it and just knowing that they have they had no idea that I heard them talking about me, but it was kind of what I needed. So I'm actually almost a little bit thankful for um, for their criticism. Right. Because <laughs> they didn't I even mean, know they gave me. Yeah. So right. It, I mean, it's it almost was, a, it's almost a blessing in disguise, right? Like at the time. Oh, absolutely. But the crazy thing is, I feel like it's just, it was like fuel to your fire. And like, yeah. I love moments like that because it's those moments where you're like, you know what? 
watch me like and you don't you don't have to say anything it's just in your head but in your head you're like watch me and I'm gonna prove those girls wrong and it's just so cool it just gives you kind of like I said that fuel fuel to the fire and and kind of helps you you know with your drive to get better so and like look what you accomplished after that (laughs) yeah absolutely it was actually so just I just remember thinking I have the best kept secret they have Mm -hmm. no idea what I can do but I'm gonna figure out how to do it and so it was just a really really fun time and I have to say that the the captains on my track and field team in my freshman year and sophomore year they were just so incredible they really really encouraged me to you know play with the big girls and Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for that and I'm still really very really really thankful for them I love that and talk about too because you said you went from jumping pretty low to jumping pretty high in a significant Mm -hmm. or a very short amount of time so what was that process like because I'm sure that took a lot of hard work and not just physically but mentally and emotionally so like what did you do to make all those leaps and bounds (laughs) pun intended (laughs) um you know in that such short amount of time well, I think what was something that I figured out was I, I didn't we didn't really have a consistent pole vault coach in high mm-hmm. in Connecticut at my high school. Um, we had a gentleman who, who helped out, but he didn't really help out past my freshman year. Um, but what I figured out was that the inversion part of the pole vault was so important. And in the beginning, I wasn't getting upside down. I was just mm-hmm. still straight, kind of straight up, lifting mm-hmm. my legs up. And once I figured out how to get upside down, that's when I started PRing by a lot over and mm. over. And I knew that my strength and my speed were there. I just wasn't necessarily sure how to convert the energy. Mm-hmm. And so once I started figuring it out, uh, I kind of created my own little technique, I guess, if you will, and uh, made it work. I love that. Oh my gosh. Like self-taught. I think that is the coolest thing ever. Um, and how did that feel? I want to know too, like how it really felt like the first time, I guess you got, cause you were getting in the air, like, you know, like four feet, you said five feet, but like, what did it really feel like the first time you got in the air, like super high? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I think it's interesting because it's a bit of a gradual progression, but I do Mm -hmm. remember the first time the pole actually bent Mm. and it kind of gives you this little boost Mm -hmm. and um, you do feel weightless at times. Mm. If you hit the proper mark when you take off, it doesn't hurt. If you don't, it kind of hurts your back and your neck Mm. and and all kinds of areas. But (laughs) uh, when you hit the right mark, you really just, the pole really just takes you kind of for a ride. It flings you up, you move your you know, feet above your head and you get upside down. And then when the pole unbends, that's when it shoots you up. And it was the first time I remember shooting up. That was cool because you get this weightless feeling. Mm. And then obviously the higher you go, the longer you fall. And uh, I always remember thinking, I want to get high enough when I fall that I can do like a little celebration in the air. I love (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) So it's been pretty fun. Just the progression of it all. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Were you ever like scared to jump that high too? Because I mean, I I played golf. Like, so to me, like pole vaulters, like you guys are freaking amazing. I mean, of course you came from a gymnastics background, so I'm sure it wasn't all like that too much, you know, scary or intimidating. But I mean, for the rest of us, I feel like we look at you guys and I'm like, I would never, I would just freak out if I had to jump and fall that far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I wouldn't say I was ever scared. Oh my gosh. You're I a badass. Really have <laughs> fear of that type of thing. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! 
A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, so obviously you were a fantastic high school athlete. You were a state champion. Um, and as I read, you had a pretty standout collegiate career as well at Western University. So what was the college recruiting process like for you? And also, how, what was college like for you? Well, it was pretty fun because my freshman and sophomore years were in Connecticut. Um, so I did get to do the NCAA recruiting experiences. But the problem with pole vault in the NCAA is the coaches move around a lot. Mm. So it was really tough. Once I started liking a school, I would ask the coach, is this, do you see yourself being here for the next four years? And every single one always says, yes, this is my dream job. Mm. And then I'd find out two months later that they switched to another school. And mm. so that happened three times. And wow, <laughs> I just, you know, my heart ever since I was a child, I always wanted to go to Western University. It's where my dad played football. It's where my parents mm. met. We always went to their homecomings. And that just always felt right to me. And no matter what school it was in the U.S. that I was looking at or visiting, it just never fully felt like Western. I was always comparing mm. it. And in 10th grade, my family, we were going to London for a Hall of Fame dinner for my dad and the head track coach reached out and said, look, I know that you're doing some great stuff in pole vault. If you want to come and do a training practice with our team, you're more than welcome to and kind of train with our pole vault coach here. And I didn't really have a coach. So I jumped at the opportunity. Of course, we drove up and I did a training session with Dave Collins and he was just so awesome. Um, he, he just taught me so many things that I didn't know. And mm -hmm. I felt right then that I, it was confirmed that I wanted to go to Western oh. and, so I actually, my, my parents moved back. I was getting coached by Dave via Skype and I'd send him videos and he'd comment back. Um, and then eventually when we moved back, he became my coach full time in high school, which was amazing. My first year with him, I made my first national team. Um, wow. It was it was just so great. And uh, he, he's done so much for me as well as Vicki Crowley. His name was Dave Collins and Vicki Crowley was my head track coach. And they were just so amazing for my whole college experience. I got to do all of the competition, the high level competitions, whether they were in the NCAA or in Canada, and they really just made everything work. I got my business degree and um, I couldn't have asked for better teammates. It was just such an incredible experience. I, I miss I miss it. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, college is just the best time ever. And it really takes though, like, a good combination of a, like great coaches and great teammates and also a good school. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes it's hard, but when you find that right mix, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It, it, it makes for a great four years. So I love oh, that. Absolutely. And my brother was playing football and my dad was coaching the football team at the time. And it was just, it was just so much fun. It was just a total family affair. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my gosh, well, Western University. It's in it's in the family. It's in your blood. I love that. So yes. let's talk about too um, moving on from college and now you're training, I believe, at Atlas in Phoenix, Arizona. Yep. Um, and it's funny. I read that your coach said that you had to train for two years to make some technical changes. And um, for you, I know for you for a fact because of everything that you've said so far. Um, 
I'm sure you have the patience and resilience and the hard work to do it. And I really do think that it's, you know, patience and hard work um, that defines a true athlete, which I think obviously it's very obvious that you are. But what has, you know, this process been like for you moving out from college and going into training and and, you know, competing on the national team? What's what's this process been like for you? Well, it's been quite something. So mm-hmm. once I graduated in my senior year of college, I came out here for three months. My college coaches actually set it up and it was so great. They, they really helped me make the transition from collegiate to post-collegiate mm-hmm. very seamlessly. So I came out here with them actually for two weeks in December of 2015. So before my senior year, I had a great time. I got to work with Coach Hall, who's my coach now. And there was just a lot of things that I loved about it here. You had all these high-level athletes in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Hall has had Olympic champions. He's had so many girls over really high. Uh, he's just had some incredible, incredible pole vaulters. And immediately I felt that if I really wanted to pursue this post-collegiately, there was a lot of technical things that I needed to clean up mm-hmm. and really devote all my time towards cleaning those up. And so in my senior year in my senior year of college when we finished in april i came out for a couple of months i had a great time and then coach hall asked me what i was going to do post collegiate and i was secretly hoping i was too scared to ask but i really wanted to come (laughs) out here and i was too scared to ask um but then he did end up asking me and so of Mm -hmm. course i said absolutely i want to come immediately um so i moved out here that the following october and I did. I was doing a graduate um, diploma in professional communications, so I oh, ended wow. up doing a lot of that remotely from mm-hmm. here um, as well. So we really made all of that work. But when I came out, he said, "You have to give me two years, okay?" Mm-hmm. And that was really tough for me, just understanding that I wasn't going to be jumping very high for two years. Mm-hmm. I really had to go down to kind of come back up. And you know, don't get me wrong; it's been really tough at times, but. I always just think back to the two years. He said two years, and I really mm-hmm. trust Coach Hall. He's just he's been he's been around for a long time. And he's done this a lot. So if mm-hmm. there's somebody I'm going to trust, it's definitely him. And so things have been progressing, and I'm starting to get around the two year mark. So you know, I'm really hoping that those results start to come. (laughs) I love that. That is so, so cool. And I didn't know. So you got, have you received your graduate degree yet? I I mean, that's really cool. I think, yeah, like as a professional athlete, you were also balancing getting your graduate degree. So talk about that. What was balancing both of those things like? (laughs) Um, It was, it just required a lot of scheduling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also ended up it was hard because I felt as though if I only did track, my mind would only be consumed with track all of the time. And because I'm my mother's daughter, she's just mm-hmm. total businesswoman. I always wanted to keep some of that at the same time, just to make mm-hmm. sure that I never felt too overwhelmed with track because whenever I have downtime, obviously you always are thinking of what you can improve. And just for my own mental sake, um, I decided to keep TAing. So I TA like three courses at um, Ivy Business School at, in mm-hmm. Western. I TA an MBA course, a master's in science course, and a undergraduate junior year um, business communications course. And it's so much fun because I just can stay in that loop and really feel mm-hmm. as though I have other things going on other than yeah. tracks. So I'm not too congested with it. But yeah, so, you know, I had incredible professors. They were great. They really helped me coordinate and they were so understanding mm-hmm. and you know i i uh i really appreciate everything that they did and i had my my academic counselor 
she, her name's Kelly Callahan. She's actually my best friend's mother, but she was just so instrumental in putting everything together and making sure it all worked and all my professors were on the same page. And without her, it really would have been quite difficult to do all on my own. So I'm really thankful for her Mm -hmm. as well. I love that. That is just so cool. And it really just goes back to the whole, you know, athlete identity crisis thing. But I think it's cool that, you know, you know, you can't put all your eggs into one basket. Of course, you're going to compete your hardest 1000%. But at the same time, you know that like you're, you need to consume your mind with other things and kind of mm-hmm. like stimulate your brain in a different way versus just constantly thinking about pole vaulting and track and field. So I just that's amazing. I think that's the, the coolest thing ever. Um, so well, what is next for you? Because I know you talked about you're gonna like the two-year mark is coming up so what is really next for you right now yeah so this indoor season this is a really long track season this year worlds are in October typically Mm -hmm. they're at the end of July so it's been really pushed back it's in Doha so it's super hot there so they have to wait a little bit longer but this year there's Pan Am games as well as world championships and I've reached the Pan Am mark previously in my career so I'm hoping that soon, uh, once I start, kind of we call it get rolling on mm-hmm. the bigger poles and stuff. Uh, we've done two competitions. It's just really been getting the cobwebs out, getting back into the competitive spirit. So we've done two. We have one on Friday in Denver, and then we'll be done for indoors. And then we'll start our outdoor season at the end of April and kind of compete and strive to reach those marks. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, just focus on the technical changes that I've been working on Mm -hmm. for so long (laughs) and hope that I can implement them in competition and the heights will 100% be there. I love that. That is so, so cool. Okay. Well, a couple more questions for you. Um, One thing I want to know is what is something that you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh my gosh. Uh, Oh, this is a really hard one. What would you tell that 15-year-old Robin Bone? (laughs) Just find a way. Mm, I love that. Mm, Simple, easy, but straight to the point. I love that. Well, Robin, do you have any final words or advice for our listeners? Um, And also, where can everyone find you? Well, you can always find me on Instagram <laughs> at Robin Bone. Um, you can always find me at the track or at Exos. It's pretty much where I usually am. But mm-hmm. I think my final words would just be stay true to yourself and what you want to do and mm-hmm. always talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. So tell yourself what you want to hear. Don't necessarily listen to those inner thoughts. It's really important to just get rid of those because uh, sometimes we can be our harshest critic. So always mm-hmm. talk to yourself and don't listen to yourself. Oh, that is so, so good. I love that. Okay. So final (laughs) question for you, Robin, what does playing like a girl mean to you? Playing like a girl means just absolutely giving it her all. doesn't matter who you're playing against, just be a total badass. Love that. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Robin. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you guys, I absolutely love that episode with Robin. She is just, like I said, a badass in so many different ways. And I actually loved really the the way she talked about how she she does things outside of her sport and how, you know, she went through the whole athlete identity crisis thing, but she realized that she is more than just a gymnast or more than just a pole vaulter. And 
that was something that really stuck out with me along with her tenacity and resilience and just keep fighting and keep doing what she loves to do. So I absolutely love this podcast and please make sure to share this episode with a friend who you think will enjoy this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on this episode. So head to iTunes to leave a review. You can also send any questions or topics you'd like us to cover by sending us a DM on Instagram at playlikeagirlmp. We want to know what you want to hear. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us at Play Like a Girl MP so we know you're listening alongside us. Thank you so much for listening to episode 24 of Play Like a Girl. We hope you come back for more. Once again, I'm Nikki B, and remember to never stop playing like a girl. You play ball like a girl! Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.